All right, it is great to be here with you. I love all that God is uh, doing in people's lives here at Christ Community. And I am so excited about what God is going to do um, this coming year in 2019. Um, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, the word that I feel like God has laid on my heart for our church for this coming year is this phrase, rooted in love. Being rooted in love. I believe God is going to take us deeper in our experience of his love and our ability to love others. I mean, when you think about all the strife and the tension and the hurts and the distance that people are experiencing in their relationships, I mean, there really is a powerful antidote to that. It is the power of love. It is the transformative power of those three little words, I love you. But what exactly does that kind of love look like? That's really what this teaching series is all about. We're spending four weeks unpacking in really practical ways how we can grow in our love for people and in doing so, pour life into the people around us. So last week, Pastor KJ did an amazing job inspiring us with the power of seeing. I see you. To be seen, to be noticed is to feel valued and loved. <clears throat> well, today, we're going to be focusing on another very practical way to, to express those three little words. A few years ago, uh, several years actually, a uh, relational uh, researcher, a guy named Dr. John Gottman, um, was doing research on what it is that makes a healthy relationship, and he was specifically focused on marriage. <clears throat> and so the university that he worked at created this love lab, sounds interesting, um, but he created this love lab, which was this ni nicely furnished condo, and couples would come <clears throat> for a weekend, and they would just hang out, they would just be together. And his research team would videotape all of their interactions. And so Gottman would then spend hours and hours analyzing these videos, just trying to figure out what makes a great marriage. <clears throat> and he got really frustrated because even in couples that scored really high in marital satisfaction, he noticed that they would spend their time talking about insignificant things like what they had for breakfast, or mortgage rates, or a baseball game, or whatever. That they weren't having these deep conversations. And he thought to himself, what a waste of time watching these videos. They are not revealing anything about marital success. He was about to give up when a thought struck him. Maybe, maybe it's not the depth of intimacy of conversation that matters. Maybe it doesn't matter whether couples agree or disagree. Maybe... The important thing is how these people pay attention to each other, no matter what they're talking about or doing. So with that idea in mind, he had an assistant watch the videos again. And suddenly, this principle became so obvious. In his book called The Relationship Cure, Gottman writes this. He says, sure enough, my assistant saw couples facing a certain set of choices at every turn. The wife reads a funny tidbit from a magazine to her husband. Will he look up and smile? Will he ignore her? Or will he snap at her to be quiet? The husband points to an ad in the paper for golf clubs. Will she acknowledge his interest? Will she look past it to the ad for women's shoes? Or will she frown in disapproval? See, in all these seemingly meaningless 
interactions, a very significant dynamic was either happening or not happening. And it all boils down to this. Were they paying attention to each other? Where, where one person, when, when one person would share something, would the other person listen and engage or just ignore them or dismiss them? See, these researchers identified a very significant truth about healthy relationships. And it's actually a truth that the Bible asserts over and over and over again. Love listens. Love listens listens. Genuine love listens. Listening pours life into our relationships. Listening helps people feel loved and valued. So unpacking these three little words, I love you, reveals another three little words. I hear you. I hear you. At the core of our being, as image bearers of God, we long for significance. We want to matter. Not only do we want to be seen, we also want to be heard. We want to know that our feelings, our thoughts, our opinions, our lives matter. So how do you feel when you share something with someone and you can tell they're not listening to you? They're texting someone or they're looking around at other people or they're just not responding at all. How does that make you feel? Do you feel loved? Do you feel valued? Do you feel like you matter to them? No, to all the above, right? What are we communicating to a person when we do not listen to them? What are we communicating then? And what we're, what we're communicating is that we don't value them. We don't really care what they have to say. Other things are more important to us. I remember someone saying that the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference, not caring. So how well do you and I listen to people? How we answer that question speaks volumes about how well we are loving the people around us. So, so let's talk about this aspect of love. How do we learn how to better listen to the people around us? Now, as I was reflecting on this question, I had this sort of aha moment. I realized our best instructor, our best model for effective listening is God himself. We're told in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, that God is love. I mean, think about that. God is love. This is not simply saying God loves, which he does. It is saying that God is love. In his very being, he is love. He can't do anything that is not loving. He exudes and gives perfect love. So given that reality, it would make sense that God would be for us a perfect model of how to listen, how to listen to people. So how does God listen to us? Well, as I looked at scripture, I came up with a couple of specific ways. You may think of more, which is awesome. But let me share two that, that came to my mind. The first the first one is found in a passage that I regularly declare over you as a congregation. So if you have been around here for any length of time, you are probably familiar with the passage we're going to look at here. It's the blessing that's found in the Old Testament book of Numbers. It's a blessing that, that God 
urges his people to speak over each other as a way to impart spiritual life to them. So let me read this blessing, which again is probably going to sound familiar to you if you've been around here for a while. Here's the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now the phrase that jumped out at me, the phrase that jumped out at me in this blessing is when it says, the Lord turn his face towards you. When someone's face is turned toward you, what does that mean? It means that they are focused on you. They are looking at you. They are not distracted. They are not looking around or looking at their phone or looking on their computer. They are looking directly at you. That's what God is doing in this passage. He is turning his face toward us. He is giving us his undivided attention. That's why we can pray to him and he hears us. So this is a crucial part of listening well. This is kind of point number one, crucial part of listening well. It's giving our undivided attention to this person. Giving this person our undivided attention. When you think about it, it really is a gift. It really is a gift. We are choosing to turn our face toward this person and focus on what they are saying, right? Gottman's research, I mentioned a moment ago, that's exactly what was happening. Someone would say something, and it may have been something this other person didn't even care about, but that didn't matter. A person said something, and they turned their face toward them. They gave them their attention, now, there is, there is one very significant difference between God's listening to us and our listening to others. One major difference, and that is that God is able to multitask way better than us. Even with all the things God's got going on in his play, right? He is able to direct his undivided attention towards you and me. But we don't multitask nearly as well as God. Not even close. Not even close. Now, I realize that um, in general, women multitask way better than men. I get that. I refuse to play one of those speed card games with my wife or my daughter. I hate playing with them because I can't focus, you know, where you play the cards up here and you're also playing your own hand and you have to look at that. I cannot do it. And I'm always just focusing on one place or the other. And there across the table, talking to people and humming and playing cards everywhere, it, they, it just drives me nuts because I lose all the time. So, but, but even, even to the women here who can multitask, even to the women here, I will say, you don't multitask as well as you think, especially in relationships. Even if you're pretty good at listening to someone while doing something else, checking out Facebook or whatever, you are not fully focused on what this other person is saying. And the person who is speaking to you knows it. They know it. They don't feel that you are truly focused on them. See, this person is not a task to be multitasked, they're a person. They're a person to be valued. To listen well is to turn your face toward the person. It is to give them your undivided attention. 
which in our culture is, an, is amazingly difficult. Be, because our phones provide all sorts of social interactions and information, they are constantly pulling at us. They're constantly pulling at us. Well, one study found that the average person struggles to go 10 minutes without looking at their phone. And that study was like 10 years ago. I bet that amount is way less today. It's got to be like five to seven minutes today. What is that doing to our relationships? What is that doing to our relationships? I recently saw a video on YouTube um, called I Forgot My Phone. I think we're going to put it on our, our Facebook page. Um, um, but you can check it out. It's called I Forgot My Phone. Check it out. But in this video, <clears throat> it's a two-minute video. This woman wakes up. She's in bed with her husband. Wakes up. And she, she, she wakes up and he's got his arm around her and he's looking at his phone. And then they go for a jog and she's stretching, getting ready to run. And he's chatting up with someone on the phone. And then she has lunch with some friends and they're all laughing and everything. And she's telling this story. And, and uh, the further she gets into the story, she realizes everyone is just on their phone. And so she just stops telling it. And then she goes bowling that afternoon with some friends and she bowls this amazing um, roll or whatever. And then she turns around and it's like this, you know, high-fiving and no one's high-fiving because they're all looking at their phones. And then she goes to a birthday party that night and everyone is recording the birthday cake being brought out, including the person receiving the cake. Everyone has their phones out. And then finally, at the end of the day, she's back in bed, her husband's arm around her, she turns the light off and he's still looking at his phone. It's this powerful video, this powerful picture of how so often we are so busy trying to capture life on our phones that we actually miss life. And unfortunately, the life we're missing is in our relationships. That's what's suffering. These distractions take us away from one-on-one, face-to-face relationships. And I'm not sure we realize the impact that our lack of listening is having on our relationships. I don't know if we realize it, honestly, because here's what happens. What, what, what do we do? What do we all do here when we feel like the person that we're talking to is distracted by other things? We just stop ta- talking, right? We just stop talking or we stop sharing what's important to us, what's important on our hearts. We shut that down. Because what is important to us doesn't seem to be as important to this other person. And here's what's so frightening about this. Most people will not say anything to you about this. Your 10-year-old will not plead with you to turn off your phone. Your friend won't beg you for attention. No, they will just shut down their heart and stop sharing. Which means, which means that we may not know or realize how our inattentiveness and being distracted are negatively impacting our relationships. We won't even know because the person just stops sharing. A friend of mine was at a family gathering recently. He knows his 27-year-old brother constantly on his phone earbuds in, all that, ignoring his five-year-old son, this man's five-year-old son, my friend's nephew. 
Now, not surprisingly, you can kind of imagine the scenario. Guess when he would pay attention to his son. When his son did something wrong. That was the only time he gave his son his undivided attention for a few seconds, long enough to yell at him. What does that do to a five-year-old heart? How well do we give people our undivided attention when listening? How well do we do that? Here's a quick way to find out. Next time you're with a close friend, your spouse or child, ask them. Just say, how good of a listener am I? I just want your honest opinion. When, when we're together, how fully do you feel you have my undivided attention? And then pay attention to what they say. Pay attention to their answer. It might be pretty eye-opening. To give someone your undivided attention is a precious gift of love. It is a precious gift of love because you are powerfully communicating with your attention that this person matters to you more than anything else in the world right now. This person matters to you more than anything else in the world right now. What an amazing and wonderful gift to regularly be imparting to our children, to our spouse, to our friends, to our coworkers. By turning our face toward them, we are letting them know that they matter to us more than anything else in that moment, more than anything else in that moment. I mean, the reality is if something, if someone is sharing something with you, they care about that. Right? I mean, that's why they're sharing it. It may be totally insignificant to you. You maybe couldn't care less about it, but that doesn't matter. The reason they're sharing it is because it matters to them. It's something that matters to them. And they're opening up their heart, looking for a point of connection with you and me. It doesn't matter if the topic is important to us or not. The person is important to us. And because the person is important to us, we pay attention. And by paying attention, we communicate value and love. We don't have to be an expert on the subject. Doesn't matter. Are we paying attention? Okay, so that's the first part of listening. It's turning our heart, or turn, excuse me, turning our, our face towards them. It's giving a person their un, our undivided attention. Now, a second way. We see a second way that God listens to us And that's in the example of Jesus, who perfectly shows us what God is like, right? And so, for instance, in Luke chapter 5, a man covered with a horrible skin disease approaches Jesus. He falls at his feet, and he begs him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And, And notice Jesus' response. I'll read it here. It's Luke 5, verse 13. Jesus' response. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Notice, Jesus mirrored the man's exact words. Lord, if you're willing, I am willing. Jesus was listening to what this man said. But not only that, Jesus was hearing the heart beneath what the man was was sharing. He was hearing the heart beneath the words, and he responded to that need. See, God listens to us, not just with his ear, but with his heart. He listens to us with his heart. 
So for instance, in Psalm 5, verse 1, here's what David says. Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lament. Hear my cry for help, my King and my God. For to you I pray. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and I wait expectantly. Do, do you notice how David here is not only acknowledging that God hears him, he is acknowledging that God's heart is actually moved by David's lament. God's heart is moved by what David is praying which is another thing that makes God such an amazing listener. We have his heart. We have his heart. He listens to us with his heart. See, to genuinely listen to someone is not only to give them our undivided attention, it is also to open up your heart to this person. It involves opening up your heart to this person. In other words, it is to let our hearts feel what they feel. It is to be attentive to their hearts, to enter into their world, into their feelings. It's to place ourselves in their shoes and feel with them, to feel with them. See, by doing that, we communicate incredible value and love for them. Now, unfortunately, this is another place where we so easily get derailed in our listening. How do we get derailed? Well, let me suggest three ways. That's by doing one of these three things. First of all, fixing. Fixing. Um, one of our instinctive responses to people who share with us is to often try and fix their situation. So when someone shares with us, you know, I feel like my boss has really been on my case lately. What is our response? Is it well, have you tried to have a conversation about this? Have you emailed them how you feel? Have you let HR know? That would fit into the fix-it category, right? The problem with our fix-it responses is what it communicates to the person that we're listening to. Because often, this person has already thought about how to respond. They have already thought about it. Right? They aren't coming to us for advice unless they specifically say that. Usually they're not coming to us for advice. They just want to be heard. They just want us to feel what they feel, to validate what they're experiencing. They want us to enter into their struggle. So why is this so hard? I'm asking myself, why is this so hard for us to just not fix? And that's a great question to ask ourselves. Honestly, this would be a great homework assignment. If you're a fixer, ask the Lord, why? Why do I always feel this need to fix the situation? Because I believe there is something underneath that. There's always something underneath that. For me, as I've been asking a question this week, thinking about it, I think what's often underneath the surface for me is my feelings of discomfort with this person feeling sad or frustrated. I don't like that feeling of them being sad or frustrated. I just want to fix it. I just want them to feel better. But what I fail to realize is that often that's not what they want or what they need from me in that moment. They don't want answers. They just want to be heard. They just want to be heard. They just want someone to validate their feelings, to acknowledge their feelings. Now, maybe later they'll ask for advice. But if we immediately jump in with advice before it's wanted, what we're communicating is that their heart isn't 
important. Their heart isn't important. A second thing that gets in the way of hearing with our heart is interrupting. Interrupting. I do this all the time, especially when I'm talking to someone on the phone. Um, and, and I hate it. I hate it when I do this. And right when the words come out, I'm just like, oh, don't do that. But I still do it. Um, and I keep doing it. And why is that? See, honestly, honestly, it's because I think my agenda is more important than theirs. My words, my thoughts, my insights are more important than theirs. See, this is a humility issue, right? This is a humility issue. One of the most powerful passages about how to listen is found in Philippians chapter 2. And if you're in the e-group and you're looking at at message notes, you're going to be talking about this passage this week. Philippians 2. Even though the words hear and listen are not technically used in this passage, this verse, these verses speak profoundly to our listening. So let um, let me just read this. Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. See, to listen well is to value others above ourselves, taking an interest in what they are saying rather than what we want to say. So when when we interrupt someone mid-sentence or mid-thought, We are clearly communicating, I value myself over you. I'm really more interested in me being heard than you being heard. So so that's interrupting. Third way that we derail this listening heart connection is by shifting the focus back to you. Shifting the focus back to you. So here's what this might look like. When someone says, I've got to go in for knee surgery next week. We respond by saying, my wife had knee surgery last year. Rehab was brutal. She's still recovering. Now, we may think we're actually listening well because we're personally connecting to what they just said and we're personally connecting to their story. But the problem is we are taking the focus off of them and we're putting it on us. So imagine if in every conversation you have, imagine if there is an arrow between us and this other person. And this arrow is pointing either at us or it's pointing to them. So to listen with love involves keeping the arrow pointed at this person. So when they tell us about their upcoming surgery, we might say, how are you feeling about that? Are you nervous? Notice, we kept the arrow in their direction. Our heart is focused on them and how they are feeling about this surgery. But unfortunately, what often happens is the minute we hear the words knee surgery, our minds connect to a personal experience that we have had with knee surgery. And we immediately say, I had knee surgery. I had knee surgery six months ago. And in doing that, what happens to the arrow? Between us, it was pointed there. Now it's pointed towards us. It gets focused on us. So I would encourage all of you, another little homework assignment, in every conversation you're in this week, with your spouse, children, parents, friends, coworkers, every conversation, evaluate your listening through this image of an arrow. 
Think about this. Where is the arrow pointing in this conversation? How often do you and I keep the arrow on this other person, asking questions to explore how they're feeling and how they're doing? And how often do we instinctively share our own experience as it relates to what they were saying, and we end up turning the arrow on us? Paul's words in Philippians 2 are such a powerful life-giving reminder that as we listen, we are to do so not only with our attention, that's important, but also with our hearts, validating and valuing this other person's experience above our own. Now, I'm guessing that by now in this message, many of us here, either our ribs are sore from someone next to us or no, um, but hopefully many of us here are just feeling convicted about our listening skills. Right? We're feeling convicted about our habits, and maybe we're feeling sad about the unintentional messages that we have communicated to people around us by not listening well. We're feeling all that, and let's just own that, okay? Let's just own it, um, and yet not get stuck there. So this is not about shame. This is not about focusing on what allows the person. We, any, none of, this is not about shame. This is about Jesus wanting to help us grow in this, okay? So we can own that maybe we haven't done it very well, and then look to Jesus to help us grow. Because the good news here, folks, this is not rocket science. Honestly, improving our listening skills is not rocket science. All of us here can grow in this. All of us, immediately, we can grow in this. So how do we grow in our listening? Now, at some level, the, an some, some level, the answers are pretty low-hanging fruit, right? Power off your phone at dinner time or when your child is talking to you. You heard me, power it off. Don't just put it in your pocket on vibrate because then you're going to know every time a, a text message is coming in and you'll be tempted to just look or look on your watch or whatever. Just shut it down. You may initially go through withdrawal, um, but you will not die, okay? You will not, you will not die from this. Other practical things. Build a habit of making eye contact with people when they're speaking with you. Just make it a habit. Eye contact. Don't look around Look at the person who is speaking to you. And of course, ask questions. Practice keeping the arrow on them. All of these things, all of these things I just talked about, they're, they're going to pay immediate benefits in your relationships. Guaranteed, they will. Immediate benefit. But I also want to answer this question at a bit deeper level, because honestly, we can fake it. Um, we can fake interest in people for a while um, and feel good about ourselves, but we may not be fully reflecting the heart of Jesus. So what is the heart of Jesus? Well, in the next verses, right after Philippians 2, we just read 3 and 4, in the next verses, it talks about how Jesus gave his life for us on the cross. He went to the cross. He humbled himself by dying on the cross. And, and why did he do that? It was his value of us that enabled him to lay down his life. So here, think about this. When we ask Jesus to help us see this person the way he does, it moves our heart to want to hear this person the way he does. When we ask Jesus to help us see this person the way he does, it actually moves our heart to hear this person the way he does. We want 
to listen to them because we see their value. We see their worth. We want to offer them our undivided attention. We want to hear their heart. And in doing so, we pour life into the people around us. Seriously, we pour life into the people around us. So two weeks ago, I um, attended a, a, well, a funeral of a friend of mine, a, a pastor friend of mine in town, um, died suddenly, unexpectedly, two weeks ago. His name's Brian Severin. Brian served at Victory Christian Fellowship here in, in town. He's an amazing man, godly man who loved Jesus and really mentored me in prayer in a number of, of ways. Over the past 18 years, um, we had spent lots of time praying for the city and praying for each other, and I will miss him dearly. So during this service, during his funeral, there was time for his family, time given for his family to share. He and his wife, Jocelyn, have five adult children, and three of them are married. So there were eight of them up there, all in a line. And they just began to share one after another about their dad or father-in-law, how well he loved them, never a harsh word, always believing in them and encouraging them. So, but one of, the, one of the common themes in what they all shared was how Brian listened to them. One daughter said this, I will always cherish the way you would listen to me no matter what I or anyone was saying with the utmost kindness and grace. Another adult daughter said she would always remember what she referred to as his listening face. This look of absolute contentment and delight in listening to his family laugh and share. Brian loved his children well by listening to them well. And the impact on their lives was huge. I could see it. I could see it. They love their dad and they felt nothing but love from him. So I walked away from that service feeling very sad for the loss of Brian and yet I also felt inspired. I want to be that kind of a dad for my children. I want to be that kind of a husband to Raylene. I want to be that kind of a friend to people. I want to be that kind of a leader. I want to be a person who listens well. And in that listening, pours life and love into the people around me. Genuine love listens. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here to do a work in our hearts from what we have learned from your word. So let's just ask Jesus, this is for each one of us here. This isn't about the person next to you. This is about you, between you and Jesus. Jesus, what do you want to say to me or to each one of us here about our listening?
Maybe some of us here need to, as we're listening, we just need to confess to him in the quiet of our heart, just confess to him. We've not listened well. Maybe a particular relationship you can think of where you're ignoring someone, you're not paying attention. Just take a moment. If, if God is stirring, I just, let's just repent of that and confess that to him and receive his forgiveness. Lord, we're thinking probably of relationships we've damaged, people we've hurt. We ask you just to be, begin healing these relationships. By helping each one of us grow in our listening. So let's just ask the Lord, just in the quiet of your heart, are there, Jesus, are there any specific next steps you want me to take? Anything he's been speaking to you about? What's a, what's a next step he's asking you to take? Now just take a moment and just commit that to the Lord. Commit that relationship. Commit that next step to him. Ask for his help. Lord, we, we do. We ask for your help in giving people our undivided attention. We are so distracted, so easily distracted. Forgive us, Lord, for how often we let our phones be more important to us than the people that we're right with. Forgive us, Lord, for how often we interrupt, we try to fix, we try to shift the focus back to ourselves, all these things. And, and God, forgive us, and we pray you would help us be the, be, to listen like you do. Help us give people our undivided attention. Help us to offer our hearts to people as we listen to them. And we can only do that through your strength. So Holy Spirit, fill us. Help us love the way you love. Help us value the people around us by giving them our attention and giving them and opening our hearts. What a precious gift all of us have to give. <laughs> doesn't cost anything financially. It is a gift all of us have within our resources to give to every relationship we have. And so we pray that you would help us do that. And you, as a result, would be pouring life into our relationships. So do that. Do that in us. Do that through us, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being a God who hears us. And thank you for the opportunity we have right now to worship you, to declare our praise to you, knowing that you hear our praise and you delight in our praise. So set us free to do that, Lord. 
Why don't we stand as the worship team leads us? If you want to sit down, that's totally cool, but let's begin standing. We love you, Jesus. We worship you. Continue your work in our hearts, we pray.